Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Hey everyone, it's Brian with 12-Pack Radio, and we have a great show for you today. Man, that USC-UCLA game was awesome. Just so fun to watch. Of course, we have Stanford winning. We have Oregon State to talk about a number of other games going on. And then we have the matchups that were made in the kind of postseason, question mark, uh, the, you know, the short Pac-12 season. Uh, but before we get into those, this episode of 12-Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12 and the best business phone service as chosen by the U.S. News & World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over the Pac-12 stay connected with customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more all for a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every freaking day. Visit nextiva.com forward slash 12 pack nextiva.com forward slash one two PAC to get started. Do it. For 12-Pack Radio, get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the beta-ranked college football statistical model, and your home for Pac-12 gambling. With William Hill's Max Meyer, we're live, live from the Nextiva Studios. Clothing optional, thank you for joining us, and we are headed into Champion Week. Championship week, champion game? Question mark. Uh, a lot of uh, a little bit of controversy here on Twitter in the in the conference of champions when it comes to who is going to play and when they're going to play. Um, let's just get right into it. I'm joined by Rob Bowen from uh, Sharp College Football, and Rob, it looks like we have a game. Uh, the teams, it's been a little bit of a carousel, but I'm just glad that there's football. What say you? I mean, I, I'm excited. I mean, this is the um, you know, it, it's hard to say that anybody really. You know, and even USC, it's hard to say anyone really sees the bull by the horns uh, to to get into the Pac-12 championship game. Uh, and Washington, of course, uh, you know, today at noon um, said that they were not going to make it. Uh, you know, that they basically had no, op- due to contact tracing, had no offensive linemen available. <laughs> That's a lot so. of offensive linemen out. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the three deep there in Seattle, not, not looking too good. And hopefully, you know, hopefully it's just contract tracing. Obviously, you know, I don't want to joke about people getting the virus. Hopefully everybody's healthy and, and safe and they're being as caution cautionary as possible, but I'm sorry, keep, keep going. I, I didn't want to like laugh and, and not, you know, not give the context. Oh, no, in no, which no. We're joking. Uh, so Washington, uh, you know, graciously bowed out. Um, and uh, so it's going to be USC, Oregon, Colorado is, is left holding a bag of water. You know, it is, uh, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I, I'm excited that we got here. Plus, you know, the other matchups were announced as well. Um, you know, and, uh, and I actually just realized I haven't updated because I, I didn't, I haven't updated because I was waiting to see if Washington was going to play. I haven't updated the new game file and beta rank with schedule file. So I got to do that tonight. I noticed that I noticed that before our show prep, but that's uh but there, you can still use the matchup tracker and kind of get the yeah. lines and all that stuff. So, uh, we have some interesting data to pull from and Max Meyer, uh, USC's own Max Meyer, William Hill's own Max Meyer. Uh, you know, the, the Trojans were bouncing around a little bit. I saw a little bit of grumbling here and there, but I'm just glad that we're going to have what should be a pretty solid game against Oregon. Uh, maybe not necessarily because of the quality of both teams, but I do think they match up pretty well. And they, they are uh, two of the tougher teams in the Conference of Champions. I don't know. What, what do you think? Clay Helton, 2020 undefeated manifest destiny. All you, in. You know, you know, he's he's gunning for that, <laughs> that college football championship playoff. You know that. You know that, right, Max? Oh, man. Well, the funny thing, I mean, USC fans are going to need to root for Notre Dame in order for there to even be a shot. Cats and dogs sleeping together and all that stuff. Um, no, it, it, you know, 
for I'm just glad that we made it all the way here. I think we we've tried to limit the complaining on our end um, this year. You know, throwing stones at the Pac-12 and Larry Scott and all that stuff. And obviously, if you're a Colorado fan, I totally understand. It's been a heck of a season. I'm just glad that there was a season where we can watch um, a couple teams really kind of rise to the occasion and, and put together uh, and feel the product in, in a really difficult environment. So um, I, I feel for the Colorado fans. We have a couple other games canceled, but at the end of the day, Max, you know. Uh, USC did go undefeated, and it was just a question of who their opponent was going to be. Uh, what do you think about them playing Oregon rather than uh, Washington? Uh, I mean, I think Oregon's a tougher game. Just I think that they're uh, better coached. Um, I think offensively they have a better shot of keeping up than, than Washington does. I mean, with Washington, uh, I mean, yeah, they blew out Arizona. Uh, they barely squeaked by Oregon State. They needed a 21-point comeback against Utah, and uh, they lost to Stanford. Like, they're, they're like, a, a, quite a few, like, uh, iffy results on their schedule. And, I mean, Oregon, yes, like, they, they lost to Oregon State. They lost to Cal. They probably should have lost to UCLA. So not much better either, but I just I think I still believe that Oregon has more upside than Washington does. Yeah, and we'll break down all the games in this previous week. Uh, we'll we'll start with our key takeaways here um, from from the previous week, and I, for me, it was just how fun that USC UCLA game was. Um, he had some really clutch plays at the end of the game. Um, it went back and forth. There was a lot of offense and. This has just been such a bizarre year where, like you just mentioned, Max, you know, Washington has its ups and downs. Oregon had its ups and downs. A lot of games obviously haven't been played. And the last couple of weeks has, for me, felt like a little bit of a grind. I mean, obviously, I find joy in college football in general. That's why we do the podcast. But this USC-Oregon, I'm sorry, USC-UCLA game was kind of one of those ones that just jumped out. And I was just so, I I had so much fun watching that game, Um, just with with the different coaches on the sideline and really some players that really stood up. So for me, it was just more like kind of a a good reminder of like, why we watch college football because that, that was just a really fun game rather than these, you know, 21, 17, you know, maybe good defense, but bad offense and things are herky jerky. So I know that, that was my key takeaway from uh, the week. There's a couple other ones here, but that one really stood out for me. What about you, Robert? Where are you some takeaways from this game uh, from this past week? There were definitely some interesting results, uh, particularly Utah and Colorado, but you know, take, take whatever direction you want. Uh, I mean, my, my big takeaway, and I, I mean, I have to, you know, do the, the mea culpa here. I mean, I didn't think UCLA was going to be that good coming into this year. And uh, frankly, at the end of the year, and they finished like pretty far, de- I mean, pretty negatively on turnovers at the end of the year. Um, you know, I think for their, se- I'd have to go look at what their season total is for their plus minus on turnovers, but I think it's pretty far in the red, uh, including being minus one against USC. This UCLA team in the advanced stats and the drive level data, they're the best team in the Pac-12. And I know that sounds, I know that sounds weird to say. I mean, they definitely did lose to Colorado in a game. They turned the ball over a whole lot. Um, they lost to Oregon in a game. They turned the ball over um, and they, you know, really should have beat USC um, and also finished, you know, down on turnovers in that game. I mean, they really, if you go into that box score, I mean, and, and we'll, you know, we'll dive into it, I guess, but I mean, they have gained the Trojans by a, a pretty decent margin. Um, you know, US, UCLA really, you know, was a lot. I mean, if you took away the turnovers, you're talking about a pretty darn good college football team, which I wasn't expecting. And I got, I got to own up because I didn't see it coming, you know, coming into this year. Yeah, me either. I mean, the tight end, right. That's just been blowing it up. Uh, isn't he a walk on? Like <laughs> he got this yeah. really, really, I mean, like in, in credit to Chip Kelly, you know, we kind of uh, joked on our preview podcast about how he had a, a bizarre roster management and stuff, but it, but he really has been able to take, uh, you know, walk-ons and, and players that may not have fit in other places and really made the best out of them. So, um, you know, credit to him. And like you mentioned, Rob, we weren't super complimentary on uh, this past to on UCLA in our previews. I thought it was ridiculous. They didn't update his roster for like 17, you know, months into the season. Um, but, uh, but really just the, the defense too has been able to put pressure on every team that they've played. So that was pretty exciting. Uh, you know, I guess, I don't know, Max, we're, like we definitely have to get into the Arizona game. Um, <laughs> In, in the fallout that happened from there. Uh, but we don't have to, to start out where, you know, what stood out for you most uh, in this past week? Well, I mean, since you already touched on USC, UCLA, and both you guys, I'll, I'll, I'll shift gears to another game. 
And I mean, this was one that I, I felt like I had a pretty good handle all along. I, I thought Utah was going to upset Colorado, and I, yeah. I wasn't shy about it on the pod. Uh, Ty Jordan, real, he might have been the most exciting freshman, I, I think, this year. Um, he's really like become the focal point of the offense. Uh, he really, he really impressed against Colorado, and and I wasn't too high on Colorado's defense, but Jordan. I mean, he he definitely looks like the next uh, back in a long line of very solid Utah tailbacks. Yeah, that was awesome, and we'll go through his numbers again. We're going to break down every game that we saw this past week and preview every game that's coming in the uh, upcoming weekend. Uh, one thing I guess we should touch is uh, is Arizona. I mean, holy crap, and we just talked about how we were off on UCLA. Uh, Rob, you and I, I think, agreed that Arizona was in a position to um, – Again, it was it was a low bar, but we thought that they clear that low bar. Uh, I think one of the things that I, that I just didn't well, there's two things that, that happened. The first is they lost their two starting linebackers and a lot of their safety. I think they had five um, five secondary players on scholarship playing in that game <laughs> against ASU. Yeah. But I still thought you know ASU was was kind of hit with COVID issues, and um, you know there's ways of making that offense one dimensional if you were able to kind of make uh, you know Daniels make mistakes and, and, and holy goodness, seven touchdowns on the ground. And I think the thing that I also miss with Arizona is culture. Um, you had a lot of defections likely because of the culture there. Um, and yeah. this was a game that, that there are a few games that you watch where you, you're 58 seconds into the game and going like, yep, this one's over. And that, like that team folded like a deck of cards. And I think that is, um, a that is a representation of the coaching staff and the preparation that they had there. Uh, I just totally assumed that there would be m- like a, a an infusion of energy, and it was the opposite. Arizona has just really been um, putrid this year. Whether it was Gannell, and, and there were there were issues, obviously Gannell being injured in the Washington game, but man, they they folded in that game also. Um, and and that's the second time this this program has done that, leading to the firing of Kevin Sumlin. And uh, you know, Rob, you followed Arizona football. You know, what did you think about the the dismissal of him and anybody that you're kind of keeping on your radar to fill that uh, position in Tucson? I mean, I would I would I would say anytime you go into a game and you are minus seven on turnovers, like you are going to get whipped, right? <laughs> like <laughs> minus that is that is a truly bonkers turnover deficit uh, that Arizona had in that game, and so I do think that. Uh, you know, the, the, the score disparity when you are, you know, minus seven on turnovers in a game is going to be incredibly wide. Um, I, I mean, there were rumors going in to the game that someone was going to have to make big changes on the offensive side of the football. And that was likely going to have to include removing Noel Mazzoni as offensive coordinator. Um, Mazzoni's son is the outside wide or was the outside wide receiver coach at Arizona. Um, and frankly, the route running by the wide receivers hasn't been great this season uh, at all. So you, you were, you know, it's, I, I felt like it might've been unlikely to be able to keep both Mazzoni's on, um, you know, but the, you know, it, with the pandemic and the, you know, the athletic department being, you know, like all athletic departments facing a revenue shortfall, I didn't really expect Arizona still to, to come in, but the, the final score, you know, and then, and, and the way Arizona looked in that game, I think. Um, you know, was the final nail in, in, in someone's coffin. I mean, the big problem for Sumlin was that, and, and we talked about this a little bit, like he made a very good hire in his first <laughs> first year uh, for his offensive line coach uh, in Joe Gilbert. And then after Gilbert went back to the NFL, he replaced him with Kyle Devan and the, the line just got worse. They were, they were decent last year, but not great. They were horrendous. I mean, horrendous this year. I mean, if you look at what, I mean, beyond the opt-outs on defense, which are definitely there, I think that the real, um, the underlying problem uh, for Arizona was that the offensive line was, you know, among the the if not the worst offensive line in the Power Five. Um, you know, everyone was able to consistently, I mean, with the exception of maybe USC, get really consistent pressure uh, on Gannell all season. Right? I mean, Gannell, and if your wide receivers aren't running crisp routes and you're having to find your third option down the field. Uh, and then your offensive line is struggling to protect you. Like it's going to be a really bad long year. Uh, and they were great. I mean, with the exception of that Colorado game, which I think in my mind gave me more questions about the Colorado defense than it did about Arizona's offense. And um, they weren't great running the ball either uh, for the most part. So I mean, it's um, I would say it's, it's, 
I was of the opinion, and I think it's right. Like, I think Arizona's roster was pretty depleted coming out of the Rich Rod era. Um, you know, there was not there was not nearly enough numbers on the offensive or defensive lines. Someone's for the most part addressed that because of the pandemic and the transfers out at, at linebacker, um, and then really uh, some misses on recruiting on his side at at, at safety. Arizona's thin in those positions, but okay, and you know elsewhere. Um, there's just some real coaching issues that a new staff could potentially come in and clean up. Um, you know, I think this is a, the, the, the roster itself is in a better spot than when someone took over oddly enough. That said, like, I do think that some of the names that have been kicked around for this job are actually a little, a little too low. Uh, if you will, I mean, like I mean, we were bantering about it before, prior, like Clark Lee, who's the uh, defensive coordinator, the very good defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. He's a Vanderbilt alum, but he just took that Vanderbilt job. There are only so many power five jobs out there. A lot of the names that are getting kicked around by, you know, media around Arizona are often like, you know, like a, you know, a a position coach somewhere that was once a high school coach in Arizona. Like that's, that's not likely to happen. Like Arizona is likely to hire uh, at the very least another power five, you know, successful power five coordinator um, or an up and coming group of five coach, uh, you know, the, the names that have been kicked around there that I, I keep an eye on are Brennan at, at San Jose state, but I haven't seen any of the names bandied about for Arizona, except for maybe by football scoop for some of the coordinators um, that might be in there. I, I mean, football scoop had mentioned Josh Heupel potentially. He's not a coordinator, but he does call the plays at central Florida. That would be a very good get for Arizona. Um, Arizona should probably at least see if Sark is interested uh, in leaving Alabama but yeah, I mean, like if I was Arizona, I'd reach out to Alex Grinch, right? Like uh, at Oklahoma, the former Washington state defensive coordinator, he's done a really good job this year, kind of under the radar. Cause Oklahoma has got those two losses, um, in, uh, in turning around that Oklahoma defense. I hope they can attract somebody like that. It'll be interesting. I don't think they have the money, um, to bring in somebody like Sark, maybe, maybe they do, but we were talking they about how Col- the, like that. Well, we that, said Colorado that, that could bring like, him in. I mean, like it's Colorado, I think is a better job than Arizona, right? But they've got the, I mean, the people throw around like that money, the, the money for the buyout is not coming out of like he, he has to go out and raise that money, right? That's coming out of boosters. Like Arizona's budget for its football staff is actually not that bad within the Pac-12. Yeah, yeah we'll, we'll see. Um, and we'll talk, we'll cover that as we... When people throw that around. They haven't, like no one has actually, actually shown that that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm curious how attractive of a job that is. I mean, it's traditionally been one of the bottom feeders in the Pac-12. Um, I, I want to, I do want to give uh, credit to ASU. There's this Mitch Hedberg joke where he talks about if, if you're in a parade and you want to get out of the parade, run in the opposite direction of the parade. And ASU did that. Like, you know, like Arizona went one direction and this was such a visual representation of the direction of those programs, right? You had Herm Edwards and Kevin Sumlin hired um, in the same state at the same time. And one of them went in one direction and one of them went in another direction. And it was just completely visible on the field uh, that, that whole time. I'm really, really excited to see what happens in Tempe as uh, we move forward into next year. But, uh, you know, we, we've, we spent a decent amount of time on that. I kind of want to get into the games here, but like, fear not, we will cover the Arizona uh, coaching hiring carousel and uh, we'll probably do a contest based around that. So uh, let me just real fast, Max, anything you want to add to the Arizona coaching search before we get into these games? Uh, Brennan was the name that I was suggesting when I, when I, I was talking with Rob before the podcast. So, uh, I'm Brennan, uh, Jay Norvell, uh, at Nevada. Like there's some, uh, solid Mountain West coaches I think could be decent options. Yeah. I, I guess the only thing on my end before we, uh, cut to a break here is that after watching, uh, John Makovich, uh, Makovich and Rich Rodriguez and Kevin Sumlin, like, I'm over the the flamed out power conference oh, head yeah. coach. Like I just I do not want to retread. I want somebody young and ready to grind and and really willing to put their stamp on the program. Because one of the things that Rob, you and I were talking about off air was th- there's no there was no identity to this Arizona team. It was like what what was it? You know, like the the slogan was like build the A, and then that was it. And it was kind of like this lazy meme that you know I could have slapped on any anywhere if you you know build the build the D, build the U. Like it was just kind of. You know, you know what Utah is. You know what Oregon is. You know what Washington is. Um, and and I, I really didn't know what Arizona was uh, the entire time of the Semlin tenure. So, um, in any case, it would be interesting to see uh, who they pick. And hopefully it's uh, somebody that can raise the profile of that team in the conference as a whole. Um, with that, let's get into these games and let's do it right after this. 
All right, we're back, and we have a championship game to cover here. Oregon, on the road, is a three-and-a-half-point underdog against USC in this title game. Undefeated USC against an Oregon team that has shown uh, some cracks in the armor here and there. Max, let's go with you real fast. What what was your uh, impression of that line and that matchup? And then let's go to the Bader Egg numbers. Well, this one's interesting just because when uh, USC-Washington was the scheduled game, I saw that uh, there were uh, some Washington plus eights floating around, and I think it settled around at seven. And then when the USC-Oregon line opened, it was originally USC two and a half, and now it's up to three and a half. And I mean, I didn't think, I I don't like, I think that the uh, difference between Oregon and Washington is, it's not more than three points. So I thought that the difference between the two in the market, I thought was a little crazy. Um I would have had this USC at four, but I, I think I think three and a half is fair. I just this is a this is a really good spot for Oregon just because they, they had the week off. It's USC coming off an emotional comeback rivalry win, uh, and now getting a short week. Um, and yeah, so I, the spot favors Oregon. Uh, I, I think the the line is about right though. It's it's fairly priced. Yeah, it's interesting. Um... We've received a couple of comments because we had Hithliday on uh, to do our preview podcasts where people like think that we're Oregon alums or Oregon fans. Like, definitely not. I mean, I, again, I, I am a conference fan. Like, I, I, I want this conference to be good. I want top teams at the conference that can compete nationally. And we thought that would be Oregon this year. And man, not really the case with some issues on the defense there. Um, three and a half, Rob. I'm actually really excited and intrigued by this game because I agree with Max. I do think that there's a chance um, that Oregon can pop up a little bit. I, I liked their defense against Cal, but I'm uncertain whether or not that was Cal's offense, <laughs> you know, like a measure of their offense or a measure of uh, Oregon's defense. But I did like the play of the front seven. They're really trying to stuff the run against them, although that's really not going to be an issue here <laughs> with USC. It took them, was it like, I think 33 or 40 rushes to get 100 yards against UCLA in, the, in their game. And we'll cover that here. Uh, what do the advanced stats say about the matchup? So it's the number 16, Oregon against number 19, USC in beta rank, you know, with the home field, USC is going to be roughly about a 1.4 point favorite in this game. Uh, so not much. I mean, Oregon's offense comes in at 20 USC's defense comes in at 34. Um, you know, Oregon's offense has really been picking it up. They've been uh, extremely explosive. They're at number 10 in explosive drives right now. Um, number 20 in effective pass 37 in effective rush. Uh, USC struggled a little bit in defending the run to, you know, 50 and effective rush, uh, 28 and effective pass. I think in particular, I'd keep an eye on this game is, is Shuck on the read option. Um, if he pulls it and runs, USC has really struggled, um, you know, consistently with dealing with mobile quarterbacks. I mean, and even uh, quasi mobile quarterbacks like Grant Cannell the, on the other side of the ball, it's the number 19 USC offense against the 22 ranked uh, Oregon defense. There's still some preseason weight. There's only five games in um, for Oregon. So the, their underlying numbers below that don't really sustain this 22 ranking. Um, you know, th- this defense has really struggled all season in particular in giving up big plays, um, you know, number 75 and explosive drives and, and not really forcing enough three and outs. number 62 in negative drives. Um, their uh, USC comes in number six in effective pass number 94, as you mentioned, really struggling to run the ball number 94 in effective rush. They do, as you alluded to, they, they call more runs than the, than they put up in yards, but USC has been pretty explosive, 28 and explosive drives. I mean, that's the real thing. I think for me to watch out here, um, is, is USC, you know, is, is actually both of these teams, you know, like, I, you know, are they going to trade big plays, but the, um, Oregon's had a little bit of a turnover penchant too, in addition to having kind of an iffy defense. Yeah, it's kind of, it always makes me feel sad when I have to say, you know, if there's a turnover, then this team will win. But like, I mean, Shuck started the year really solid. And then the last couple of weeks, he's thrown a couple turnovers and, and that, and you just go, ah, like, because when that Oregon offense is humming, boy, howdy, that thing that thing rolls. But it really is dependent on whether or not Chuck can uh, put it together. And for the most part, he has. But there have been some backbreaking uh, interceptions that he's uh, thrown in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I don't know, Max. You know, taking those numbers into consideration, um, man, it, it's really hard to trust Oregon's defense. But I, I feel like Oregon put up can put up a lot of points against USC as long as they take care of the ball. And, uh, and I just don't trust USC's defense farther than I can throw them against a good offensive coordinator. So, it's I mean, the three and a half looks fair. I mean, I don't see a ton of value out there, but uh, what say you? 
I, it is just because I thought um, I thought Oregon's defense uh, when they were playing Oregon State just because uh, I thought that Oregon State I mean granted Jonathan Smith is one of the best offensive minds in the conference but it was pretty clear that you were gonna have to stop Jamar Jefferson and then Oregon State's offense uh, wouldn't be able to put up the type of output that you would expect to be Oregon and they couldn't stop Jamar Jefferson and so with USC I mean you know that they're gonna throw the ball and I mean Oregon's secondary was supposed to be one of the best in the country before all the opt-outs and now they're definitely they I mean the whole defense has, has been a disappointment and USC's wide receivers I mean they made some incredible incredible plays against UCLA like the Tyler Vaughn's catch before the go-ahead touchdown the Drake London long touchdown where he escaped like six or seven tackles yeah. uh, USC's wide receivers are, are amazing so um, but I, with Oregon, I, I agree with Rob. I think Chuck's mobility is going to be huge in this game. I can def and I mean, Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, the first half against USC, that was the best I think I've ever seen him play. Uh, he was just in total command. And if Chuck can avoid making the careless turnover, I, I think Oregon's offense can easily keep up in this game. Yeah, I'm two and two picking Oregon. I'm going to go with them again. I think uh, the plus three and a half. But I do want to talk about USC's game against UCLA because, like I mentioned, it was incredibly fun. Um, USC 43, UCLA 38. Rob, man, there's just so much to cover here. I I love how Max brought up the Drake London catch, which was amazing. There's like seven (laughs) UCLA players around him, and he was you know figured out a way to get into that end zone. But like that was one of many plays that that were in this game that I thought were, were just really joyful to watch. Yeah, that, it was just just bonkers because I mean, there's there's a couple of points in the second half where I thought to myself, all right, if UCLA is able to put together one more touchdown drive, right, like they could salt this game away, and then of course they wouldn't, and then USC would go score, right, and so like they never quite put the game away, um, and then not only did they like did they if they looked like they had the game you know reasonably put away, they go back, they retake the lead. And they just, I mean, it's, it is, it is, I do want to give some credit because USC special teams this season have been better with Sean Snyder. They're currently ranked number six in beta rank in special teams. Ooh. And that is an absolute credit to yeah. the work done by, you know, they hired one of the best special teams coaches in college football and it paid off and it really paid off in this game. I mean, yeah, that catch was bonkers. He's in bracket coverage. He just goes up and gets the ball. <laughs> I mean, great. Like USC has like, has the players to like have that, you know, to really live up to that big players, make big plays and big games. Right. Like, um, you know, and, and they did, it was, uh, it was still a little bonk. I mean, it was just, it, it was, if you're a USC fan, it was really the third game that maybe they didn't quite deserve to win. Like, but in particular this one, I mean, I think even more so, than the Arizona state and the, the Arizona games, which, you know, like USC drove down the field and, but it, you know, I, I didn't have, we didn't have like high, high expectations. Like you see it, you know, and I don't think if you look at the stats that either Arizona necessarily outplayed USC or Arizona state necessarily outplayed USC throughout the game. Um, really UCLA over most of the game and outplayed them. Um, so it's just, I mean, just a bong. I mean, just, it was, it was, it's, this season is, is Max, like, it's just destiny for Clay Helton this year. Like, he cannot be stopped. Like, whatever um, hex he, you know, whatever contract he made with the devil in Georgia to, to keep this going, like, it, it, it worked. That, that ending was just crazy. By the skin of his teeth. Uh, just a couple stats yeah. here. Keaton Slovis, 30-47, 63% completion, 344 yards, five touchdowns, two picks. Um, you know, it's, it's the same usual suspects that we saw. Drake London, two touchdowns. Tyler Vaughn's 128 yards. Amon Ross St. Brown had two touchdowns on the seat. I think one of the things that stood out for me was, and I, I kind of was thinking about this. I had it tucked in the back of my head. Uh, and then I went back and looked at the the stats. Stephen Carr, seven carries, five yards. I mean, goodness gracious. Um and, and again, now, now Veve Malapai got 110 yards, um, but it was on 19 carries. I mean, ultimately, they just cannot run that football. They try. They try their darn best to do it, and they just can't uh, figure it out. 11 tackles for a loss, though, for USC's defense. So they were able to cause some havoc. And normally, when you think about that, um, I, I would have assumed that it was going to be UCLA that was going to make USC running around. Now, they had three sacks and five tackles for a loss. But, um, you know, credit to USC's defense for putting some pressure on DTR, um, who had an OK game. We'll talk about uh, UCLA's performance here in a little bit. Any, Max, anything else you want to say about the, the game? I mean, I, the end, the drive at the end of the game was super fun. 
Um, <laughs> just because it was so fast. <laughs> Two passes and you're in, basically. Yeah, I mean, as Rob said, like USC special teams has vastly improved this year. And on that uh, on that final drive, I mean, they had uh, a long kick return by Gary Bryant Jr. Uh, and they were already in UCLA uh, territory. So, no, that, that was – I mean, USC special teams has just been a whirlwind. whirlwind. And in previous seasons, it was a detriment. But this year, uh, net positive for sure. Right on. Um, well, let's make our picks here. I'll, I'll take Oregon in the three and a half. Uh, Max, who are you taking? Uh, I'll take the Ducks as well. All right. How about you, Rob? Oh, man. I, I'm i taking Oregon versus the three and a half. But it feels, I mean, like they even threw the end zone fade to a slot receiver and it worked. Like, I mean, <laughs> like how many times is your fan? You're like, don't, everyone's like, don't throw the fade. And they throw out the fade and it never works. And they threw it to, to St. Brown and it freaking worked. Like, oh, it just feels dangerous to pick against the Trojans. But uh, let's all do it. Let's do the college game day. Everybody picks the same team. Oh, man. It will be a fun game to watch regardless. And, uh, you know, good luck to both teams as we move towards bowl season, which we'll be covering here on 12-Pack Radio. Let's move to the next game here. Washington State. Washington State, uh, who wasn't able to play their game um, this past week, which is a bummer. I really like the over on that. I think it was like 32 and a half or 52, 53 and a half. Uh, was the over on that previous game. They are a 10.5-point underdog on the road against Utah. Utah, of course, knocking off Colorado. And first crack at this, Max, what did you think about the matchup? Uh, for Sorry, uh, can you repeat that? I, I was just looking at the Ravens touchdown. Oh, Go ahead. <laughs> no, it was uh, Washington State, Utah. Yeah, so Was- Washington State, I mean, <laughs> obviously uh, they, they had the Cal game uh, canceled this past week. Uh, there's still a bit of a mystery to me, just because they, they did look like they looked good at the beginning of the year. And then USC just completely stomped them on that Sunday game uh, after not um, after Washington State had to deal with their own uh, COVID-19 issues. I think that they're a little underrated in the market, actually. And Utah, I mean, they, they, Utah looked really good against uh, half against Washington. Uh, they uh, ended up as, as the favorite in Colorado and, and took care of business. I was I was actually very impressed with uh, Utah's defense overall. I mean, with Colorado, they had the, the uh, punt return touchdown. They had uh, the long uh, touchdown to Jerry Rice's son uh, to start the second half. Uh, but Colorado didn't really get a lot of uh, long drives other than that. Like, they had that uh, one drive that ended up with the Neuer uh, touchdown. That was a really nice throw. And then they had a, a drive in, like, the fourth quarter where they turned it over on downs. And those were the only two sustained drives pretty much for the Buffalo's uh, offense the whole game. So I, I just think that at 10, I think 10's a little too high. I, I think that Washington State uh, it, with Delora, I think that that offense can really move. And with Utah, um, as good as as good as good Jordan has been, Bentley's a little too inconsistent for me. And I think with uh, Washington State, I think that they can that they have the passing attack that can move the ball on the Utes. Yeah, that's what worries me. One of the things that we had talked about was you don't want to get Utah at the end of the year. And it's been a short year, but we're getting to the end of the year. And, uh, you know, I've, I've been excited to see that secondary um, start moving around and doing stuff. I think the front seven is still pretty interesting. I, um, uh, But the one thing that gives me pause here, Rob, is, yeah, Washington State can move the ball, but their defense isn't really very good. And uh, there there is a scenario where Utah can come in and just stomp. Uh, Washington State just because they're able to maybe not stop but they're just able to kind of sit <laughs> sit on Washington State you know they can have their way on the ground if they can lock down that that pretty fun passing attack it's really hard for Washington State I think to crawl back but I'm just curious what, what are the what are the advanced stats have and what, what's the line here from beta rank beta rank has this closer to eight um, I mean I agree with Max like I think it's just a little too rich Utah at 10 uh, and I well, think it's, it's also it's 10 a little... and a hook too so you, you get an extra half point there Oh yeah. Well, I mean, that's that, yes, that's too much. Uh, but I also think there's still a little bit of an overreaction to what was uh, a pretty turnover heavy performance by the Cougs against USC. Right. Um, I mean, Utah and let's not, I mean, yes, we definitely had them, you know, I liked them versus that line versus Colorado for sure. Uh, but I, I just don't, uh, I don't, I actually don't think that I like, I mean, I, I, I wasn't all that high on Colorado. Let's put it that way. <laughs> uh, but it's 31 versus 51. The Utes are at 31. Um, you know, the, the Utes offense is at 51 though. I mean, this is, this is a little bit of a fall off. We were kind of expecting, 
Um, you know, they're number 95 in drive efficiency, um, you know, 86 in explosive drives. They're a lot better running of a ball than they are throwing the ball. They've got a 31 to 72 run pass split. Of course, Washington State's defense is not particularly good. They're at 88 right now, um, 93 in explosive drives. You know, like I do think, you know, they're at 78 in effective rush, 99 in effective pass. I mean, Washington State has struggled, you know, to to slow people down all year. Yet again, that said, you know, like I, you know, I think Washington State's offense is better than Colorado's. I think they'll be able to move the ball. Um, better. I think some of, I also think some of what we saw with Utah really being able to, you know, run the ball effectively. I mean, I, I, like we talked about it a little bit with Arizona. I think Arizona has one of the worst offensive lines in college football. They run the ball on Colorado. So Utah's got to, again, I mean, you should be able to move the ball. They got to show up and do it again. You should be able to move the ball against this defense. Um, 25 on defense for the Utes, 37 for Washington state. Uh, Washington State, however, 22 in effective pass versus 67 in effective rush. Utah's pass defense is still, uh, you know, a little bit their weaker unit here. So 32 in effective pass, 24 in effective rush. Um, where they excel right now, Utah, uh, and what's holding up their number is they're very good at negative drives and forcing three and outs, and they're very good at drive efficiency, forcing you to put together long drive. You know, like they don't give up a lot of long drives for points. What they do struggle with, though, is giving up big plays. They're at 53 in explosive drives. Now, Washington State's only at 93 in explosive drives, so they haven't been super explosive yet this season. Delora's often made his money, you know, on on, on finding you know the check down in some of the shorter routes. If Washington State can be explosive, I, I, you know, and not really not turn the ball. I mean, I think if they don't turn the ball over, this feels like a touchdown. You know, Utah's still the favorite, but it feels like closer to a touchdown to me. All right, well, let's go into the game here, Utah ends up beating Colorado 38 to 21. Uh, Like you mentioned, some turnovers, some funky plays here. Uh, Jake Bentley, 20 for 32, 63% completion rate with two touchdowns and a pick. So yet another another, uh, uh, turnover on his end. So just something to keep a lookout when they're facing Washington State at home. Uh, 31 yards on the ground. Ty Jordan, like you mentioned, Max, 17 for 147 and two touchdowns. So very, very fun to watch him run around there. Nobody else really that big of note on the ground. Although he did uh, had 40 carries for 192 yards. Britton Covey, again, showing a a lot of signs of life here. Nine catches for 76 yards and a touchdown. And then uh, my man, Brian Thompson, uh, making his way back into the lineup for uh, two catches for 42 yards. Of course, Brent Keithy had a little bit too. Um, and, you know, well, I guess we'll talk about Colorado since we uh, they don't have a game. Uh, Sam Neuer, 16 for 34, 47% completion rate, uh, two touchdowns, an interception, and a fumble. Uh, Broussard, I think we really did hold him in check, 14 carries for 80 yards and a fumble on that front. Um, I, that, I don't know. The, the 10.5, like, I can definitely see a world where Washington State uh, keeps us close, and uh, the numbers certainly point to that. But I could also see a world where, like, Utah's able to kind of put the screws on some of this stuff and uh, just are able to have their way on the ground. I'll take the points. Ten and a half is a lot. Plus that hook's kind of enticing. But uh, I think the one thing to look out for is Utah is at home. And I know the crowd isn't there and it's a great crowd. uh, But you do have the altitude. And uh, Washington State going on the road always makes me a little bit nervous. But, um, all right, give me the Cougs. I'll I'll take the ten and a half. And it sounds like you're doing the same, Rob. Yeah. Ugh. Max? Yep. All right. Let's get to a few more games here. Let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. Two more games to go through here. We have Stanford, a seven-point underdog on the road at UCLA. And we've already talked about UCLA's game. Uh, but Well, I guess we, we talked more about the USC side there. Let's go a little bit into the stats here. DTR was 30 of 36, 83% completion rate. Bow, bow, bow. Like, good for him. Two two picks, though. Um but he did get he did throw for four touchdowns and get 50 yards on the ground. Uh, Demetric Felton and the Greg Dulcich show, basically, those guys were the, the crux of that offense there. Uh, Dulcich is getting anything he wants. He had like 170 yards and a touchdown. And, of course, Felton was everywhere. Um, three sacks and five tackles for a loss, like I mentioned there. I get, we'll go into the Stanford game here in just a sec, though, Rob. But, I mean, UCLA is, is pretty good. And Stanford has had some trouble stopping the run. Um, does this seven seem a little, little low to you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Bader Inc. loves the Bruins right now. Um, it's got them at number 12 overall Stanford at 53. Uh, this UCLA offense in particular is humming along at number 17, um, 10 in drive efficiency. They're they're They've definitely been terrific running the ball. They're at number 11 in effective rush. They're a little less explosive at number 45 in explosive drives. 
but they avoid a lot of three and outs. That really helps. Third, eighteen in negative drives. Only forty six in effective pass. But when you when you run the ball pretty well, it, it, it's less of a killer. They get a Stanford team. It's eighty six overall in beta rank on defense. Really struggling. They give up a ton of big plays. One fourteen in explosive drives. Um, eighty on effective rush. Ninety in effective pass. You know, and and UCLA actually has the number one special teams unit in the country right now. Oddly enough, even after blowing it so badly against USC, they've they've done so well up to the point. Um, you know, this season, Stanford hours only at 36. UCLA's defense. I know it's weird to say they're at 23 overall. Like the the changes that they've made, being able to effectively bring pressure um, and the better coaching of their secondary, and that they play a lot of man, uh, has really paid off. Um, but they're at number 21 in effective rush. Odigazua is really having himself a year in the middle there. Um, they they contain explosive drives really well. They're number eight there. Um, they get a Stanford offense that's number 30 overall, number 14 at drive efficiency. So this Stanford offense does rely on putting together long drives to put up points. They're not terribly explosive, number 76 there. Um, but Stanford, again, like this is not, you know, uh, Stanford of five years ago. They throw the ball. They're number 16 in effective pass, 73 in effective rush. But Baderank has this as as closer to like 16, 17 points Ooh. for a Oh, my. Um, a couple things to keep a lookout for is um, you have to assume there's going to be at least one turnover from UCLA. So take that for what it is. Uh, the other thing, and I took the over in this uh, in the Stanford-Oregon State game. And the always the thing I always forget is Shaw's always going to go for the three rather than the seven. So there's going to be a drive that you're going to have where Stanford has the momentum, it stalls out, it's going to be fourth and two or something, and they're going to kick the field goal. <laughs> so uh, just a couple things to keep in mind on that front. Very conservative play calling um, when when it matters. Uh, although Shaw's shown a, a couple a little tendency to do a little bit more recently here, but I think overall uh, that is something to, to factor in. Max. Uh, I thought seven seemed low. Rob thinks it's low. Are, are we suffering from groupthink here? What say you? Well, the market disagrees just because I th- I thought I saw this open at eight and it's down to seven. Oh, really? Huh. Yeah. So, I mean, to play devil's advocate with you guys, yeah. one, I mean, UCLA is coming off a game where they wanted to spoil their rivals' perfect season. So there definitely could be a little bit of a letdown effect there. Uh, and also... Davis Mills has looked really, really good of late. Uh, granted, he, he did play Oregon State this past weekend, and Stanford did need to eat that one out. Um, and I'm not so Stanford's defense is terrible, like really, really bad. Um, but I, I really like Stanford's offense. Uh, I, I, I think uh, their rushing attack has has gotten going uh, the past couple games. Uh, Mills is legit. It's it's really going to be. It, it, I, I think UCLA's defense is. is easily the most surprising unit uh, in the Pac-12 so far. Um, but Stanford's offense is, is intriguing to me. And uh, seven, a full touchdown. I don't know. For me, this is probably a stay away. Um, I'd probably look for the over on this just because I, I think UCLA is going to score a lot against Stanford. And I actually I think Stanford, uh, with Mills throwing the ball, and if, and if they're down – uh, I think Stanford can put up points in this too. So I think that I, this total, I would imagine, is probably in like the mid fifties, uh, like a fifty-six or something like that. And I, I would take the over on that. Yeah, be a, keep a lookout for that. Davis Mills uh, in Stanford's win over Oregon State was uh, twenty-one for twenty-nine, seventy-two percent, almost three hundred yards and a touchdown, no picks. So, uh, like you mentioned, Max, he was able to move the ball, and he had a really good game the previous week too. It was really fun watching him. I thought that was one of the best games I've seen him play. Uh, Austin Jones, 22 carries for 126. So, you know, Stanford was kind of in that USC range of the 35, you know, rushes for about 100 yards. They had 116 here in their instance. So it seems it seems like every time they play Washington, everything clicks and they're able to do what they need to do. Um, I, I just thought it was interesting seeing them be able to move the ball on the ground against Washington. Um, but that was kind of one of the things that we had highlighted there. So it'll be interesting to see what they're able to do against a really aggressive front seven in UCLA. Um, a couple other items here. Simi Fajoko had another 100-yard game, so good for him. Uh, Bryson uh, Tremaine, who I think is the uh, – he's, he's a newer kid on that team, um, about – yeah, 50 yards um, and I got a couple other you know long catches here for Stanford um, and then we'll get into Oregon State here in a little bit oh, seven 
I'm gonna I'm gonna take UCLA and feel weird about it, but I, I do think that the turnover and then the the conservative play calling sometimes even out when you're when you're having to lay some points. So I'll I'll take UCLA. I'm not gonna bet on this game, but um, I, that, that's where I'm gonna lean. How about yourself, Rob? It seems like uh, Baderank has this ten points higher than um, than we do. Are you gonna roll with the model? Heck yeah, I am. I I, I genuinely. I mean, UCLA. It is hard to say that you're like, all right, now if they don't turn the ball over, they should win by like 17 points um, because UCLA ha- does does give away free turnovers <laughs> all the time. But I just, I think even with the turnovers, like they've just been, they've been so good. And I, I you know, like they're, I, I, I like their chances to, to, even if they turn the ball over to win by 10. All right, Max, what, who are you taking? I wish I was getting the hook here. It's, it's a shame. Uh, Begrudgingly, and I really hate fading beta rank. I'm I'm gonna go Stanford, but I'm I'm not confident on this game. All right, one more here. ASU is a seven and a half point favorite on the road against Oregon State, and uh, dude, ASU just beat the crap out of Arizona. I mean, it was just it like it was over before it started. I mean, this was just embarrassing. Uh, seven touchdowns on the ground. I know, Rob, you mentioned the seven turnovers, and yeah, there were seven turnovers, but Arizona had the turnovers. <laughs> That's what happened. I mean, like, to, to be frank, I watched a little bit of this game, and then I'm like, I'm sorry, like, I can't, I can't watch this anymore. This is just, this is just a full-on murder that I'm watching on television right now. I mean, most of the, most of the attacks here were on the ground. Uh, Rashad White, ten carries, 133 yards, and three touchdowns. <laughs> like, I mean, like, you go down the list, and like, they were. I mean, they had the first Chinese American, um, or I don't know if he, he might be a, a Chinese man, but like the first player of like Chinese descent scored a touchdown, which is pretty fun to watch. Um, and it was a really fun look on the sideline with Herm Edwards congratulating. Um, I mean, everybody got theirs on the ground here. It's it's pretty fun to look at that box score there. Uh, Daniels for the most part, nine of eleven. 203 yards, two touchdowns. He also had 23 on the ground, had a touchdown himself on the ground. Um, I Like, you know, Rob, this, this is, well, let's go with you, Max. Like, is there a lot to take away when a team just totally melts down um, here? I, I really wanted to see a competitive game because I wanted to see what ASU looks like after um, just a lot of turmoil with COVID and all that stuff. And they just, I mean, th- this game was just, it was just a full-on beatdown. I, I, do you take anything away from that from a handicapping perspective? Uh, I mean, it was just Arizona State kind of, kind of out frustration. I mean, like they should have they sh- should have beaten USC. Uh, the UCLA game was close. Uh, they just wanted their first one of the season, and I I think Arizona State's a pretty good team. It's just that they played USC and they played the two best uh, teams in, in the division, and, and those are and those were their two losses. For me, though, I mean Arizona State, like I I think that I believe in their defense. And as weird as it is to say for a team that just put up 70, I still really am not buying their offense. Uh, I think I think Arizona State is an under team. Well, I guess it's only one or two games left for them. But I, to me, like they're they're an under team. I think that Jaden Daniels still has some work to do uh, as a passer, even though he's definitely scary on the ground. Um, and I I kind of see this being a lower scoring game, like maybe a game in like the 40s, like a. 28-21 or 28-24-20 or 24, 20 type of game. And if if that's what I'm thinking the score is going to be, I'm going to take the points here, especially uh, home dog in Corvallis. Yeah, I, I agree with you, Max, on that front. I think this is all going to be decided on the ground. Um, in Oregon State's game against uh, Stanford, you know, Chance Nolan, 56% completion rate. Now, he didn't have any picks. He did have a fumble that he lost. He had three touchdowns, which was solid. But again, like not an accurate quarterback. I didn't like what I saw in the first week. He did improve a little bit, but I just, it, it, I think it'll be difficult for them to, to score through the air against what should be a pretty good secondary from ASU. I think that's one of the strong points of this team. Um, so it's going to be whether or not Jamar Jefferson and BJ Baylor are going to get theirs on the ground. Um, and then vice versa, right? Like same thing, Jane Daniels, I'm still not sold on that. I, but I do think that ASU could score a decent amount on the ground maybe, but that keeps the game a little bit longer. I think the under will be really interesting. What would be a number? What would be kind of like the, the Rubicon for you when it comes to uh, betting that under max? I, I would take anything under 55. Or anything over fifty-five or over. Okay, Rob, let, let's take a look at these splits here. What, what do the numbers say? So Bannering has this closer to five points. Um, it's uh, number twenty-seven ASU at number sixty Oregon State. 
ASU's offense comes in at number 43. Um, their best number is really their negative drives. They just, they haven't gone three and out a ton so far this year, but we've only, we really only still have three games in for the Sun Devils. So there's a lot of preseason weight in for them still. Um, 20 in effective rush, way down there. Number 80 in effective pass again, like not a not a terribly efficient passing attack for Arizona State. Uh, the the defense for Oregon State, they've really struggled. They're at number 84. They've been falling off a bit from last year. Um, they really do give up a lot of big plays. Number 104 in explosive drives. Um, they don't have a real big uh, you know run pass split, 85 versus 75. Um, and it is it is. You're I mean, right in particular. I mean, Nolan does change up what this offense could potentially do. Um, the defense for ASU is at 21 overall. They're at number five in negative drives in particular, forcing a lot of three and outs. Um, that's really their, their best number. Um, they're, they're number 16 in effective pass, number 37 in effective rush. So for Oregon State here, they've actually become a, very, a pretty efficient running team. They're at number 44 on offense. Um, they're not a terribly explosive offense Would they, would they do tend to put up points. They, they've put together long drives They're 48 drive efficiency, 27 in, neg- in negative drives, not a lot of three and outs. Um, and you could see with, with, you know, Smith calling, you know, Smith, um, you know, really to, you know, orchestrating that offense that they're able to, to put it together. They're at 33 in effective rush versus 63 in effective pass. So, you know, for Oregon state, I, I think for them in this game, it's really going to depend on the ability to run the football. What's what's that split again? So you said thirty three on uh, on the rush side for Oregon State's offense. What's yep. ASU's rush defense? They're at number thirty seven. Oh, okay. Huh? Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm taking the points um, seven and a half, and I I totally agree with Max on the under. Um, plus, you have Herm playing. You know, concert. You you play to win the game, baby. So uh, I think there is a scenario where he tries to, to sit on the lead if he has it, um, and and good on him if he does it. So keep a lookout for that under here. Uh, Max, any anything else here? Kind of a short show, you know. We we have four games, and and really four games happened last time. It's it's you know we're we're so used to doing the long ones where there's like six games or or more than that, uh, the twelve in the you know in the preseason stuff. But uh, anything else you know, around the conference? Uh, I mean, I don't need Pac-12 basketball. It just seems like every every team has already postponed games. Uh, so yeah, not not much on that front for me. It's wild. Um. We'll keep an eye on that. I think we'll do like a March Madness show, and and uh, we did our Pac-12 uh, tournament bingo. We'll see if there's actually a Pac-12 tournament this year. I mean, like everything's kind of up in the air. Um, I've been starting to dabble in in the basketball realm, but we'll we'll stick with the bowls. We'll de- definitely make sure to cover those. Um, and, and one of the things that I would definitely want to do is like a wrap up show, kind of what we got right, what we got wrong. It's such a bizarre year. I mean, last year we just killed it, um, uh, just because we we were able to measure teams against other conferences, and I think that gave us a little bit more context this time. I think we actually did okay in terms of like the actual picks, but in terms of the preview, um, man, I mean, like some some of the departures really hurt uh, the theses. The th- theses um, on uh, what we had, but I definitely want to go back and take a look and see where we hit and where we, uh, where we missed. So we'll, we'll make sure to do that. Rob, you know, any, uh, any words of wisdom pontification about uh, what we have coming up this week? Tune in for the Saturday six on Saturday morning. There it is. Um, what games are you doing? Do you know yet? No, I mean, I, I, I've been waiting cause you don't know until it, it does not pay to announce early in the time of that is true. I forgot about that. Um, all right. Well, we will we will catch you next week. We'll review all the games uh, that just happened. We'll do some bowl stuff. We'll make sure to, to keep an eye out for uh, which Pac-12 teams are playing in the postseason and cover those games uh, in addition to probably some other ones here. So stay tuned. Thanks for tuning in, and we will catch you next week.